Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Spirituality and Magic podcast. For everyone listening that doesn't know I have a YouTube channel, go to YouTube and just go to the search bar and type in Hunter Salazar. I will be the first result. H-U-N-T-E-R space S-A-L-A-Z-A-R. Now, I'd like to... Today's episode is going to be a little bit uh, strange and maybe a little bit sad, but it's still going to be a spiritual perspective. Now... My dog is, I'm going to have her euthanized here in my place tomorrow because she's very old. It's been coming for a long time and she's having ridiculous amounts of trouble breathing. And she's just in a lot of, she's suffering despite medication. She can't have a surgery because she's not strong enough. And really there's not a whole lot that can be done at this point besides surgery, which she would not survive. So, I mean, it's quality of life that... I made the decision to euthanize her, so but she's gonna be here at my place with me, and and uh, so it's gonna be it's gonna be fine. I uh, it's been a long time coming, but I'd like to use this opportunity to talk about the souls and animals and how they relate to human beings. Now, of course, you probably already know if you know me at all that I believe in reincarnation. I believe that soul is behind everything. It's more of a frequency. Um, than just something that exists in separate separate pockets. I feel like soul. This is a very Vedantic view of me. I feel like soul is just behind any everything, uh, especially things that are alive. But there's also the certain kind of soul frequency behind material objects that are not uh, quote unquote alive. And I think that as we advance in the, in our scientific various scientific fields, I think we're going to start realizing just what life is and starting to realize exactly what things are alive and what what it really means in a in a scientific way i guess um for a lot of hindus uh there's a lot of different beliefs about reincarnation in hinduism and in uh pagan traditions like uh asatru or uh, other forms of heathenry uh so animals are souls that are just not as de- have not developed as quickly as we have as we human beings have either that or they're people that have um, kind of been bumped down as far as what they're allowed to reincarnate into uh, because of the actions they did during life but honestly that's far more rare uh, what's well the souls and animals are usually just souls that have not progressed fast enough and me you everybody listening I believe well <laughs> everybody. That's human being on Earth. Um, we've all lived as animals, as plants, and even as inanimate objects. Now, Paramahansa Yogananda, great um, Kriya Yoga guru, one that I have aligned myself with as far as what's my views on reality, um, he said that he remembered being a diamond, which is, <laughs> which is really hard for us to comprehend because diamonds don't have brains, and we try to relate existence to our own and try to make comparisons with our own consciousness, but we can't really do that when we're talking about material objects like diamonds. So you have to have a deeper understanding and level of realization and experience of the universe before you can imagine being something that is inanimate. We can't, we just can't compare to it. At any rate, uh, animal spirits or animal souls. We'll talk a little bit about spirit, the difference between spirit souls and, um, and uh, egos, but um, so animals that are around us that we take care of as pets, it's really good for them to be around human beings because those souls start to really see what it is to be human, what it is to to have that kind of caring relationship 
um, assuming that you're a good pet owner. And it helps their con- their consciousness well that will for- form in the future around the soul um, to, you know, kind of skyrocket their progress um, past the animal kingdom. Uh, especially if you're a very good animal. Uh, even if you're not a pet, if you're a good animal and you just... Like if you're a if if you're a stray pit bull that you run inside a burning building and you save a toddler or something, just random example, then that is a very good karmic act. Now, what's sad is that it's really hard to get good karma as an animal. That would of course get good karma, but since you're not really aware, you don't really contemplate. Mm, should I do this? Um, what if I didn't do it? What would happen? You're basically running off of instinct, and that's the level that your soul has been able to um, uh, reach thus far. So it takes millions of animal lifetimes in order to make the progress that you need to make, little tiny bit of realization by little tiny bit of realization to really amount to a a greater existence, a level of existence. Um, I like to think, and I, I think that I know this, but I'm not really sure, that the gods were once animals than human beings and then they work their way up now this is this isn't something that all hindus believe or people or pagans um or asatoire but i do believe it now it's also very important that we understand the nature of reincarnation and its relationship to karma what we do determines what we will experience in a later birth. So whatever you do now, bad, good, you are, I wouldn't say doomed, but you're going to experience the effect of that, either in this lifetime or the next lifetime, or perhaps you're going to go to another realm for a time before coming back here to learn some more, but you will feel the, feel the effects um, in later births or the circumstances that you're born into, um, no matter if you do good or good or ill. If you if you did a lot of charity work and you're a really great person, you might actually just move on to another realm. But if you're still here on Earth, it's more likely that you'll be born, in, born into a family or a community that's really uh, advanced when it comes to compassion. And maybe not even intelligence, but compassion and caring. And this will help your soul flourish more. Now, when we have, when we have animals, if you're... If you're a good pet owner like everybody should be, um, they achieved that through past actions. They achieved the circumstance that they're in, the positive circumstances that they're in compared to others because of good past actions. Now, this might seem a little mean or ridiculous to think that if an animal did something really bad in a past life, perhaps they were even a human that did something bad, that now they're suffering because of their past actions. But it's not really our place, I don't believe, to judge an animal or a human being based on what they're experiencing now um, as they just basically deserve it. That's not that, – that actually increases our own bad karma because we're making a value judgment on something that's suffering when we don't know the circumstances prior to that suffering or what caused it. And without that knowledge, we really don't have a right. We just have the ability – you know, a lot of us have the ability to help these animals or these people depending – so that is our that is really our duty to help as many living things not experience degrees of suffering they wouldn't have to um and use our lives in that way to make this a world that 
more things can live in happily and live fruitful lives. Doesn't feel like that is the way or the direction the world is going, but I assure you, it's been much worse in the past. As a student of history, um, I can definitely tell you the the curve of history is going in our favor. Um, There's this little story that Kriyanan, this is back to the uh, animal soul (laughs) uh, topic. I kind of go off on tangents sometimes. I know you'll probably experience that more and more as you uh, listen to these podcast episodes which are going to start out small, by the way, but they're going to grow to about an hour length is my, is my goal once I have more time to prepare and figure out this, uh, what, I'm, what I'm working with here. But uh, Kriyananda told this story of he used to live in this neighborhood, um, and there would be these people that would kidnap, like dog catchers, that would kidnap dogs and then ransom them, ransom them back to the family if they wanted their animal back. I forget where this was. I think it might have been in Romania. He had American parents, but he was born in Romania where they were diplomats, I believe. Anyway, at least his father was, I think. Um, but one of these dog catchers was coming towards him and his dog. And he looked at the – and he knew the, he knew the guy was a dog catcher. He looked at the dog. He said uh, – I forget the name, but he basically said, Toto, run. And then the little, little kind of like curly-haired white dog uh, – God, I wish I remember what the breed was. Floppy ears. Anyway, small dog. He, he perked up his whole body like he was listening, and then he ran off and hid, hid somewhere in a bush. Now, well, the point that Kriyananda makes is that, realistically, that dog's brain shouldn't be able to comprehend the idea that the child wanted him to run and hide. That's very specific. Uh, that's very specific. But that it was his soul's intelligence that influenced the basically the the brain and the body to and then you know the the person i guess you can say as that as the being that was the dog um to realize what was going on and then take off and and do what his master wanted him to do because he didn't want to be caught uh our soul does inform us even if our brain does shouldn't have the ability to realize something know something or experience something the soul can make it happen it does often in animals and the kind acts of animals a lot of it, a lot of the time, it doesn't always stick to instinct, and you, you start to wonder why. You know, is it is it the parental side, or is it the? Sometimes you could say it's the parental instinct, um, but some of it seems very strange. Like um, I did see this clip the other day. Now I'm just telling you random stories. Here you go. Uh, I did see this clip the other day of this swan. I believe it was either a swan or a duck. It was probably had to be a small swan if it was a swan. But anyway, there was this bowl of fish food beside this duck. And the swan was picking up fish food and then putting its beak in the water and putting the, putting the food into the fish's mouth. And there was a bunch of fish, and it was like feeding these fish, putting all the food in the water or in, in their mouths, and kept on getting more and more food out of the bowl. Now, that's, that could be considered a parental instinct, but this is a completely different kind of animal. And you got to think that there's something more there than just parental instincts. There's something informing it that, hey, these fish are hungry, here's some food, let me feed them. Um, that's an act of kindness that an animal can do for sure. Um, there's been multiple acts of kindness that our <laughs> dogs and cats have done for us. Um, I remember when I was a child, I had this gray fluffy cat, and I was just a very small toddler. And I used to like pull on her fur... I barely remember it. I was very small, and I, I don't even really know how I remember it. But I just remember pulling on her fur, like kind of petting her the wrong way, and just kind of like 
grabbing onto her, and then she just, like, didn't, she didn't respond negatively, she just kind of let me do whatever I wanted, and that was, that, see, when we have fond memories of pets or animals that we've been around, uh, that kind of shows you that they really did do something good, and that animals are definitely capable of doing that, and perhaps it's, it's not always, you know, parental instinct, though sometimes it is. I also had another cat that was a black cat that he had lost an eye from an accident he had, and I would put my, I remember putting my little tiny finger in the whole, whole eye socket of his eye, and he just let me do it. He just kind of looked at me like, eh, hey, whatever. Um, that might have been more, he just didn't really give crap than, than him actually doing something kind, but there's a number of acts that if you, if you really focus on animals and, and, and pets, that you'll start to see that they, they of course have their own personalities, they have the ability to choose more so than people might think. And there was a recent study that also came out that said dogs can recognize somebody who is bad, a bad person, that they, they, you know, they're a person that's very cruel without that person even having done anything cruel to that animal. But I digress. Souls exist in all, in all forms. And I think the more that we realize the connection between different parts of the universe, the more that we're going to see that souls, there's more of that net that I was talking about, this fabric and we're not, we're only a few hundred years into our scientific revolution in this cycle, in this yuga. But, and that's a, that's a Hindu word for cycles of time. And time for Hindus and a lot of pagans is cyclical. It's not linear like we have in Abrahamic traditions. They seem to be really focused on time being linear um, from the creation of the world to the end of the world. But if we, if we use the universe as a good example, if we just look around us, Everything is cycles. There's no linear, there's no real linear timeline for things like seasons, months, for how a star is born and dies. And then another star is born from the ash, not from the ashes, but you get the idea. And, you know, trees might grow from seeds fertilized by a forest burning down. We see cycles everywhere. Now, we have to think that just because an animal just because an animal dies even if you don't believe in reincarnation just think of everything that good that animal did that that kind of ripples out into the vaster world at least uh if you believe in the butterfly effect which i do you know the butterfly butterfly effect is <laughs> something like if you kill a bu- butterfly in Japan it's going to have an effect in the United States in San Francisco let's say somehow um that also kind of shows a network uh fabric of occurrences that hint at something grander than we currently understand with um, in scientific fields. Though I actually do value science way more than other spiritual people, I think, but that's becoming more and more of a trend. Spiritual people are starting to recognize, of course. Um, we're becoming less religious and more spiritual, which is always good, because religious is dogmatic. I'm the one, only one who's right. Spirituality... We can all be right in our own ways. We don't all have to say that only us is right. We can understand that other people are right in their own ways. We don't have to be, we don't have to be the end-all, be-all to the realization of, of existence, of God, gods, what have you. And that's okay. And I think it's a lot of fear that when people try to force their religious or spiritual ideas on other people because they, they, they doubt themselves 
the tr- the validity of what they believe. So they try to convince themselves by trying to convince others, and usually this is subconscious. It's not something you think consciously. Mm. But here's the great thing about animals and their souls that the vast majority of animals, if you treat them good, they'll grow up good and they'll they'll be a positive impact and they'll they'll move that positive impact to others, whether it be other humans they they connect with or other animals they connect with. Um, just being nice to a dog or a cat can have a bigger effect than you might think. Of course, you can tell I'm kind of a believer in the butterfly effect, so, you know. Uh, but anyway, um, personality, the identity of self, the understanding, or the, <laughs> the lack of understanding, I guess, ultimately, but the understanding of separation from other things, are not, th- are not things that are really well developed in animals, but they're getting there. They're still working on it. And we should help them along, is the moral of the story. So I'm going to go ahead and end this podcast here. I really want to thank you for listening if you've listened this far. I'm going to wait to monetize. I don't want to monetize just yet. I want to wait to monetize, and then I'll start making little ads that I put in because I need to make more money. I'm I'm still a college student, and I don't get paid a lot at my job, and I got bills. So there will be a little bit, little ads here and there, but there's not going to be, there's not going to be a whole lot of them. Um, but that's, that's going to come later. Right now, we are just building rapport between us, and I would love to hear, um, I would love for you to leave me a message or write a review. I'm open to that for sure, even a critique perhaps. Tell me what I'm doing good, what I'm doing wrong. Maybe I rambled too much, maybe I don't really have a, a topic that you, that is very clear. Just let me know. And once again, you can contact me through YouTube and watch my videos. Uh, well, I guess you can comment on the comment section on YouTube, my different videos. But uh, just type in Hunter Salazar on YouTube, and I will be the first result. And if you want to contact me on Facebook and speak with, admit with me there as well, you can go to my Facebook page at www.facebook.com slash hunter.salazar. And then you can contact me there through Messenger. Just say, hey, um, I have some ideas or, you know, I loved your podcast, whatever. At any rate, thank you very much for listening. And I hope to see all of you in the comment section in the future.